All right, you guys. So we have for Professor Latinx podcast on Joker, we have Joe and Dustin and Philip in the house. Um, I am going to kind of throw out the launch question for us, which is, you know, it's been getting, you know, Todd Phillips film and Joaquin Phoenix as the actor for Joker has been getting a lot of attention, both positive and negative. And I want us to kind of, you know, get in there and get dirty with this and see what's going on and maybe even compare it to the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, what are the differences? What are similarities? But to launch us, you know, the, the big question here is, and it's something that comes up in the media, you know, what is really happening with Joker, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips when we have mental wellness, illness being directly conflated with, you know, socio or even psychopathology or, you know, um, violence and homelessness, the kinds of conflations that seem to be happening in this particular rendition of Joker. And I don't have the answer. I just want us to kind of, you know, see where we go with this. So I don't know who wants to jump in here. Yeah, Joe. Uh, I just think that it's more of a warning about the potential of what mental illness can become if it's neglected. Because he's not violent before he is off his medication. He's not violent before he's, I guess, provoked in a way by the people. uh, Well, the first time on the train scene, uh, he's kind of like had enough and he's kind of he's spiraling at that point. So without the proper care and attention combined with the the socioeconomic conditions that he lives in kind of sends him off uh, off the rails. Okay, so you you're kind of seeing this as there's an adequate kind of journey that's being kind of built in here even if it's finally taking us to a negative place. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like have a you know whatever he's dealing with mentally is a positive thing. You know, it and it's not something that should be portrayed lightly i guess because mm-hmm. it's something serious and it's something that needs to be taken seriously or else you know bad things can happen yeah i think that was like a big thing uh so like when i went into the movie i knew all of the controversy that was going around it with this idea that when someone goes through mental health they get to the point and they should just kill people and that was like what people were worried about going into and that kind of like was something i kept thinking about the whole time i was watching kind of looking for that like message in the movie but I never saw that when I saw I saw this message that it was a wake-up call to how we treat people with mental health you know I don't think that they were trying to say like do this change you know but I think it was definitely we were watching it and you thought this is how we treat people depending on their class depending on their mental health status and we just kind of push them away like they lost the funding everything gets canceled you know and I think that was like they really pushed that message really hard especially even uh, when he was on the talk show, like even though that message was already there, he still reiterated it and Joker said it himself even. And I think that was like a lot of what I took away from that movie was just kind of looking at like, all right, what can I do to help with mental health? And I, I think that was like a good thing that that's how what I came out with instead of what everyone, the media was trying to portray from this movie. Yeah, I mean, just kind of to echo what these guys were saying i also didn't think it was necessarily about um 
you know, the negative aspects of mental illness. I think it was kind of a, a, an alarm for people to realize the, the dangers of what happens when people don't properly take care of things like this. And the social worker, his caseworker in the film, you know, when the program is, I don't know if we're allowed to give spoilers or whatever, but when the program is defunded, you know, she says, these people don't give a shit about you. And then come to think of it, to be honest, I don't think if they give a shit about me. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's telling us the dangers of the system. And by the system, I mean, the capitalist system that we currently live in. Um, they cut those programs for people that can't afford proper mental care and they just get this subsidized care. And then sometimes you have individuals that have mental instability go off and have these mass shootings and things like that. And the first thing that the government or primarily conservative people in the government go to is mental illness. Well, you know, you're being a hypocrite in that regard because you – cut those very programs that you're saying basically cause this person to be acting the way that they're acting. And I just think that that's unfair. I think it's, I think it's unfair to, to single out Todd Phillips or Joaquin Phoenix um, as, as negatively portraying mental illness when I think honestly what they were trying to do is shed some light on, on the fact that that if overlooked, you can have these kinds of issues. And I also think it's not so much mental illness as opposed to physical abuse, because as we later find out, that's what really is the root cause of where um, Arthur Fleck comes from in in transforming himself. And in that regard, to kind of tie in with with the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger, that's the same thing that, that Heath Ledger's character says in The Dark Knight. You know, his father abused him his father abused his mother he he vehemently denies that he's crazy when someone says it to him because i'm not no i'm not you know it's more of these people like alfred says in the dark night some people just want to watch the world burn mm-hmm. you know i think it's more of a of, of a violence and they were taught and conditioned physical abuse so that's that's mm-hmm. kind of where it, it it manifests itself and then you just have mm-hmm. you know a bunch of different instances where like Joe was saying he he's he takes he goes off his medication and he just kind of spirals downward and he's tired of being picked on whether it's at his job or whether it's kids beating him up for being a, a sign spinner you know mm-hmm. it's it's just a, a compounding thing it's mm-hmm. not just one thing yeah so the heath ledger i want to get us back to that sure. later but um i think with heath ledger um you know um joker the writing, the scripting there deliberately, constantly pulls the rug from under us. So it doesn't allow for a kind of um, typical uh, background that would pathologize or justify the pathologizing of that villain, right? So mm. um, he says that, but then he's he's saying it at the same time that he's also undermining that script of, I was abused as a kid, and that's why I am now. Um, the way I am. But the Joker for, right, Joaquin Phoenix is obviously, you know, this is the narrative. This is our narrative. Yeah, and it's not just the, his abuse that he has as a kid, but he's also, there's two more, or three more instances of uh, him getting, like, physically abused. He is beat up in the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. by the kids. He's beat up on the train, Mm -hmm. which leads him to 
violent. Well, the first one leads him to get a gun. The second one leads him to use it. And then when Thomas Wayne punches him at the uh, at the showing of mm-hmm. uh, what's the 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 Charlie Chaplin movie Modern Times Modern yeah. Times yeah mm-hmm. which I thought was a cool uh, movie to use there because there's that scene where he's rollerblading and he gets so close to the edge every single time but he never falls off and all the people in the tuxedos are laughing at him but the guy's he's about to die and he's about to go off the edge literally the same Mm -hmm. way arthur is Mm -hmm. and uh they don't realize the kind of like what is the seriousness behind it and and then when he punches him in the face that kind of i guess is the last you know he's punched in the face by his father figure he's Mm -hmm. now been abused by his mother and father and he's Mm -hmm. kind of lost everything at that point yeah, so um, just quickly on the modern times, and this gets back to Philip's point, um, and then Dustin, please jump in. But, um, of course, modern times has become a kind of emblematic film for the mechanization, the kind of factory-like you know, mechanization of our everyday lives in ways where we are now alienated from one another in and through sort of a capitalist system. So very purposefully setting in that sort of modern, mm-hmm. um, that particular film to resonate with what Philip was talking about in terms of capitalism and capitalism serving, you know, the Thomas Waynes of the world right. and not the majority population. Um, so, yeah, well, I was going to say his being a clown, you know, his job, which he it's it's not like he can be, uh, you know, the late night talk show host or he can't be Thomas Wayne. He's disabled. He has, you know, he's limited in what he can do physically and mentally as a job and how much he can produce. And that is what restricts him from getting the care he needs because he can't afford it mm-hmm. and he can't afford proper housing and mm-hmm. he can't afford to take care of his mother. And that like so his his disability limits his value to capitalists and mm-hmm. therefore his his access to proper yeah care. we might even argue that the the disability grows from a sickened society right sure. yeah yeah i think that that was seen in general too with the modern times was interesting because you had like the madness outside and as soon as those doors were closed you just had all of these let's say millionaires sitting in this room watching a movie that i mean let's be honest like did, has anyone ever seen that movie that funny as they did in that scene? I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, I just was like watching that and you had the madness outside. And then uh, Thomas Wayne kept talking about helping the people. Uh, he was going to be the, peop- the person to save this city. And not even just like as a father figure, but when Joker goes and Arthur Flex goes to talk to him and he kind of just says, get on my face. Like he's asking for help and he just says, get on my face right. and then ends up punching him in the face. He's like, okay, this guy not only is not a great father, like he's not my father, not going to be my father figure, but also like is not like once again saying no to helping me when I'm asking for it. And that was like, I think like what I, I saw it as like kind of that point where he just went off and he went into this fantasy and uh, like, this is how, who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what, how I want to treat other people because this is how they're treating me and everything. Mm hmm. Let me push us a little bit on the film. Well, you guys brought up capitalism as a system that's failing the majority, at least in this film, right? And, well, we could argue that it's actually <laughs> yeah. you know, failing everybody right now, um, the majority of the planet. Um, but I wonder, though, if the solution or if the kind of way to a solution is finally a solution or not 
business as usual in the sense that what do we have? We have a kind of savior figure, kind of exalted, right, with Joker, with Arthur, um, and people burning and um, kind of destroying the city. Now, I'm not saying that's not an appropriate reaction when you are pushed into corner for so long. I just wonder what that message may be sending in terms of, well, if capitalism isn't working, is this kind of what we have as a next plan B, right? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's kind of like a warning about that's the only choice that they've been given. Like Thomas Wayne is the guy who's running for mayor, and he's not going to help anyone. So electoral politics isn't gonna, isn't what's going to help. So they take this this figure who's problematic, the, the a murderer, and kind of raise him up as this anonymous clown kind of like as a representation of what everyone wishes they could do because uh, they, they need something to do. Something mm-hmm. has to happen. I mean, um, you know, the Todd Phillips and I don't know the extent of Joaquin, how he was going about it. But Todd Phillips is paying homage to a lot of things from the 70s and 80s, primarily Taxi Driver and a movie called The King of Comedy, both directed by Martin Scorsese, about two outcasts that are tired of being outcasts and have certain ways of of reacting to the status quo or people that have kept them down for such a long time. And I think that if you – giving your example, you know, when people are – you you have uh, Arthur Fleck becomes this kind of, like you said, exalted figure um, – and then everybody's kind of riding in the streets over it. That could be, you know, a metaphor for, hey, maybe what we're doing to combat the system or fight the system or resist what's going on isn't enough and there needs to be more radical change because usually nothing happens unless there's some kind of radical change. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had people in, in the 70s kind of – exalting Travis Bickle, the character played by De Niro in Taxi Driver, and to an extent to where it was, it was, you know, it put him in a negative light because John Hinckley used it as motivation to try to assassinate Reagan. You know, that whole thing was tied in with that. So it's, it's shaky ground. You know, is it a metaphor to say, hey, we need to have uh, a revolution of some sort to, to get the playing field level um, or is it – will people see this and go, hey, let's let's find another reason to uh, commit some horrific act? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's mm-hmm. a lot well, that, of – you can go both ways with it, I think. Dustin. Yeah, um, I think that they were like – they kind of really tried to show that this wasn't like something just started happening, like how the city was treated. They tried to like emphasize that the city's kind of been treating uh, the lower class like – uh, terribly for a long time now, and I think that a lot of those people were waiting for one thing to happen to push them to the edge of wanting to change something. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Fleck uh, acting on the train was that one thing they needed to say, "All right, let's act now." And I think it also the idea that it wasn't someone that they like, it wasn't announced like who this person was because it was anonymous. I think that that kind of helped them too because it can they can all be anonymous this way. You know, they they know that there might not be a repercussion. Uh, other other uh, other than making a change. You know, I think that that was like something that they kind of thought about too. I mean, 
That's what I like to think, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, that they were making this change because they were just ready for it and it needed to be done. And they were hoping that this could be that one thing that pushes it over and hopefully gets the uh, low, uh, higher class and the government to change as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a lot of people who consider themselves outcasts realizing that maybe they're not so alone because they they you know what you can see arthur's like pure joy when he's in the crowd with all the clowns and being able to put on the mask after thomas wayne kind of brings them all together by calling them clowns that that dissolves all the the barriers between them and they all realize they're all in this together no one's taking them seriously besides this guy who's willing to take it very seriously and willing to commit you know, a, a terrible acts against mm-hmm. the people who represent what what is represent the oppressive system. Mm-hmm. I guess. Let me um, take us kind of part of our class, of course, is to really address push hard on issues of race um, and gender in comics and films. Um, and you know, I. I I hear what you guys are saying, and I think the film is definitely, you know, doing this. Um, But I wonder if it might kind of come short when it comes to the African-American women, right? Um, And maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Um, Dustin, you want to launch us on that? Uh, Yeah, so um, it's not something I noticed at first, but I I think with this movie in general, I've been noticing more and more as I read about it, for sure. But one thing that I noticed uh, when you sent us that article before um, was that in the movie, whenever he was talking to someone, um, it was always a black woman, Uh, like whether it was his uh, caseworker or it was the therapist therapist at the end of the movie uh, at Arkham or if it was his wannabe girlfriend you want to call it um his neighbor it was always um portrayed as a black woman and i think that was kind of interesting because i'm not exactly sure what the message they were kind of trying to show with that you know uh whether it was on purpose to make this a black woman um that character all the time but i thought it was interesting because there definitely was that message but i'm not sure if i picked up on it yet i don't know if any of you guys did or anything like that but yeah what do you what how are you reading the sort of african-american presence um and i can tell you what i kind of thought just you know and then we can kind of toy with that um i really wasn't sure what to think of it Mm -hmm. i thought like i thought his uh kind of fetishization of his neighbor was interesting i'm not sure what it had if it had to do with her race Mm -hmm. or if it had to do with just the fact that she was a woman who paid attention to him Mm -hmm. uh yeah, well, with so few sort of women of color right. in the movie, it's hard not to kind of yeah. right, um, um, sort of see race there. And of course, where like Dustin was saying, the three prominent women are um, African American women. But I do see how the film, of course, is trying to identify a cross racial right um, um, sensibility that working class and the 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 working poor are white and black. Mm. I think when they all right. put on the mask, you can't yeah. tell what race. Right, they are. right. Mm. And to push against targets of oppression, there needs to be some kind of coming to you know solidarity across those lines. But at the same time, it was um, you know in the article that we read by um, Lawrence, where sort of alerted me more to this fact. It did seem like um, well that you know 
there was a sort of problem around, um, you know, having African-American women in those positions, but more more importantly, that they're basically murdered off screen. And not that off screen makes it any better, but that somehow in Arthur, you know, Arthur's reason system that is actually targeting the 1% for whatever reason, whether it's Thomas, you know, you know, pushing him away or the sense that he's not, you know, included in this um, space, um, you know, why would they be eliminated? Why would, why would his system as it is, which is a fairly reasoned system, say, um, sort of erase or kind of, you know, enact violence against these women figures. I don't know, Philip, what do you think? I, I'm, I don't know that I agree so much that his system is reasoned. Mm-hmm. I think we see it develop that he's more and more um, just somebody who is he's, – he's been pushed to the edge and it's, it's kind of on for him now. It doesn't matter who – the person is that he's taking out it's sort of they're also in a somewhat a position of authority with the you know uh, probably with the exception of of his in his mind his girlfriend which again goes back to uh the king of comedy because de niro's character in that pretends that a girl that he went to high school with is his girlfriend to try to impress jerry lewis's character in that film so it could be part he's paying homage to that film, which I believe Todd Phillips is intentionally doing. And also, I think it's – there's – at the end, you know, it builds up. There's no real rhyme or reason for what Arthur is doing. He's just doing it because it's what he feels like he needs to do. And the and the murdering of them off screen in a racial way, um, I think – diminishes them as as people because you don't see it happen they're not mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. important enough to be to be murdered on screen you see it happen off screen which one way it's it, it could be looked at as they're not considered to be as important as a Thomas Wayne or 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 the the businessmen mm-hmm. that he shoots which is um you know a reference to Bernie Getz who shot all those people on the subway uh, and also, 1980s, early 1980s, New York was still pretty raci- racist area. You know, it was still people were afraid of what was going on in the city, and th- that generally has a negative connotation towards towards black people at that time because mm. that was just the the misguided, you know, mm-hmm. connotation that that white mm-hmm. America had about inner cities, mm-hmm. basically. And then on the other hand, you have those murders taking place off screen for a uh, horrific and cinematic uh, factor. Like Hitchcock always said the, the most frightening things take place off screen, and he always had a, you know did that with his films. So it could be also Todd Phillips paying a little homage to Hitchcock in that regard, because a lot of the film is him referencing, th- and a lot of people have said he's kind of mugging which to some extent he is, but he's also referencing things that people haven't seen that came out, you know, 40 and even 50 years ago. Like there's a whole with De Niro's character being, you know, murdered on, on screen. That's, that's a whole reference to network and, and, and the Howard Beale character being assassinated on screen. So there's a lot of, 
homage, but he's also doing it in a way where it's it could be shedding light on things that are um, not usually talked about or glossed over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, network reference kind of reminds me of the the quote that he puts in his book. I hope my death makes more sense than my life, and he spells sense as in like dollars and cents. Yeah, and. That's in in network. The guy is spiraling, having a mental breakdown, and they keep putting him on air. They keep showing it to the point where he starts to uh, unravel, kind of like what he he starts to reveal the flaws in the system that allows him to do that. The same way, kind of Murray has him on this show to laugh at him because uh, to laugh at something that's you know his disability to laugh at that he is disabled, mm-hmm. and he points it out. He says, "You just had me on here to laugh and." And now, you know, I'm, you get what you deserve, kind of. You get what ha- what's coming to you when you take place when you take part in an exploitative mm-hmm. kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting about the uh, black woman uh, being the characters that are like killed off screen too is like you want to give Todd Phillips credit in like if you if you want to make him uh, to be like a smarter writer or director, you could say. Oh, he there's he's acknowledge, acknowledging that there's been enough black characters to be killed on movies and in TV, so let's not put another one on there. But at the same time, then don't make that happen. Like in the like, don't cast them as black characters. You know, so it's like, like I I I am not saying that that's what he's doing, but at the same time, I, I could see someone saying that like, oh, there's been enough of this on movies and TVs. Let's not do that now. But at the same time, why you cast them? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's like you get that question again like where is the, why are the murders happening like this you know mm-hmm. um because i think like also with having uh her be um his neighbor be that girlfriend that he imagines is just to add more to his story of what's real and what's not real and i thought that was like one of the most interesting parts about the movie to me and i think that like it's possible that he just felt like she fit the casting part the best um but that's another thing you'd like to just hope that that's what happened you mm-hmm. know and i think that that's a lot of the question that you have with the race aspect of it is what what really happened like what what are they really trying to show besides the cross racial racial thing that i i do think uh is a good point and i think that that's uh definitely probably an aspect to it for sure but i really thought that the real versus what's not real was really interesting too and i think that without his girlfriend you didn't have that much of effect into the movie as they would have liked to as well mm-hmm. yeah that ending of course Right. We're like, well, did he actually dream? I mean, is this all delusion? And mm-hmm. he's been in his padded cell this whole time. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So it definitely throws that um, the entire retrospectively throws in this sort of fallibility. Right. Of the narration. Right. This is mm-hmm. a totally unreliable mm-hmm. narrator. Mm-hmm. Let me um, I'm going to tell you what I what, uh, you know, some of the things that I was thinking when I was watching it. First, of course, because I'm you know always looking for Latinos in movies um, and, you know, I, you know, I was a little disappointed that it was a sort of, you know, the only time we really see them is the Puerto Rican kids at the beginning that bully and kick and for no reason and steal and smash a sign, um, because that's their only kind of, you know, representation in the movie. Um, and then it started getting me thinking about, um, you guys have been referencing other movies that you've, you know, in the kind of film repertoire, um, the Michael Douglas falling down, 
Um, and maybe Philip, you've seen that. Um, that's a really good movie. Yeah. And so, you know, the guy, so Michael Douglas, you know, he's been fired. He's a blue collar worker. So it's a little bit different. Um, but it's still a kind of anger and he sort of, you know, breaks down in East LA and kind of fights his way out to the coast. Um, and in a kind of postal kind of going postal in the end moment. And I just thought for, you know, while I was watching Joker, I was like, gosh, you know, I know it's trying to do this stuff. I know that it's trying to build a narrative about a kind of, you know, hey, um, the system's not working. It's failing um, people that where it really matters, especially those who suffer from, you know, um, mental illness and they need meds, et cetera, and can't afford them. It's trying to show a solidarity across, you know, lines, racial lines, et cetera. But I couldn't help thinking in the end that, you know, this was another kind of narrative that, you know, follows the white guy, you know, even if it's a spiral and we understand why, you know, down into this place and violence becomes the only kind of answer. Right, violence becomes the answer. That's what I, I feel like. The in the in the Dark Knight, Alfred says that uh, the people who are following the Joker, they in their time of desperation, they turn to someone who they can understand, and that's kind of they they people desperate people turn to that you know desperate times call for desperate measures. That the Joker isn't perfect, and the collateral damage of lionizing him for murdering people, you know, he didn't go out to try to kill Wall Street people. He just killed the people who were messing with him, and then. He got this positive response for it and took it to a next level where he kills people who don't – like the black women, who the three black women – or the two who he kills. Uh, it's it, That's kind of the, the pitfalls of having a white savior like that where it's it, – you know, his, his intentions aren't exactly the best, but he's the best they have maybe. So can I move us really quick, because I know we're running out of time, to Heath Ledger, because you brought up, um, you know, Dark Knight trilogy. And, you know, I walk away from his Joker very dif- in a very different way. And, Philip, I think you put your sort of um, finger on this one, that while the public, at least the 99%, see Arthur Fleck as, you know, having a system – he doesn't, right? The narrative pushes against that. Right. And it just so happens that publicly, you know, the things that become, that garner attention for others become a kind of system, right? Mm-hmm. The, against this, the oppressor. Um, um, anarchy, randomness, et cetera, are more, you know, Arthur's, you know, characterization. Mm-hmm. And in Dark Knight, he's actually really smart. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know. Maybe we can talk just a little briefly about, you know, um, Heath Ledger's Joker in Dark Knight. I yeah. Know. I can say something. Um, just real quick. Um, I thought, like, the difference between them is that, like, Joaquin Phoenix did a phenomenal performance, but it was like a performance just as a character, as, oh, like, just in general, like a great performance as Arthur Fleck, for example, where. Heath Ledger did a, an amazing Joker performance. I thought that he fit the character of Joker a lot better. You know, you could, I mean, not only did you see it happen, but you could also picture him actually going toe-to-toe with Batman. Um, I thought that this movie was more of like, this is a great script. How about we just tag Joker onto it? You know, it wasn't like made for the character Joker. It was more, 
the Joker was just added onto it because it would get more money and it made sense just to fit that character, you know. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting because I could I didn't see this Joker going up against Batman and doing well at all. You know, I thought that a lot of the times that he did kill people, it was kind of just out of coincidence that he was able to kill them because he caught them off guard. There was no planning. None of the times that he killed someone did he actually plan that out or anything like that. Um, they just happened to be there and it was like, he got pissed off so he killed them and I thought that that was interesting because um, it, I think that's another reason why I'm glad that it's not being tied in with the other uh, movies but at the same time one thing that uh, Todd Phillips uh, talked about too was that it's possible that this is just uh, like or this Arthur Fleck is just a symbol for the future Joker you know and I think that kind of also makes sense because he's so much older than Bruce Wayne is in this movie that it's possible that he becomes the symbol that teaches the like that allows the current Joker for again that will face Batman to come out later on, and this is just kind of starts that. And that, I think that was kind of why it was interesting to see. As I, I know we've seen it enough with uh, Wayne Parent's death, but it was also interesting to see that it was just kind of happening at the moment of his turn, true turn as the Joker instead of him doing it or um, it happening like specifically because of him it was kind of more just because the riots and just done with thomas wayne but i thought that was interesting because i thought that that was like the real difference was you feared joker more you saw the brilliance that he had and the genius and all of his plans and everything i think the this movie kind of addresses the problem with batman and the problem being that he is you know is someone who inherited all his wealth and decides to take the law into his own hands but the same way – I mean he's the same as the Joker in that way, that the Joker is driven by his unfortunate circumstances to do what he does. And so is Batman and what's really the difference between the two of them is is up for debate I guess. Yeah, I mean that's 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 exactly right. And he says it in the film. He says we're we're both freaks. You know, We both understand what it's like to be the outcast or what it's like to be different. And and with with Batman and again we're talking about the Dark Knight I assume um, with Batman like Joe was saying you know this is a guy who has it all who decides he wants to fight crime because nobody's doing it and then he has Harvey Dent comes along who's actually doing it you know he gets all the criminals put away at once and effectively cleans up the streets for the time being and then realizes that people don't actually need this. I don't need this anymore. I don't need to be this guy. I don't need to keep um, trying to fight my own demons through this persona. Whereas whereas the Joker, he needs it. Not only does he need it, he wants it. And he wants to use it as a way to to also smash capitalism because what's he do? He burns a giant pile of money because he doesn't care. He's like, I want to show these people a message. My message is, I, I, I don't care. I don't like the way you're doing things. I'm trying to hit you where it hurts. Um, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just incredibly intelligent, but my methods are insane. And I think that that's what he does a great job of doing. And I think that's why he won an Academy Award for it is because he was – he was not only was he convincing, but it was just a, such a powerful character. He he kind of knocks Batman off the screen in the film. Great. All right, you guys. Well, we've come to the end of Professor Latinx podcast. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having Thank us. Thanks for having us. That was a lot of fun.